to your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Tuesday, March the 8th, 2022. Praise be to God. Have you been following the U.S. trucker convoy? Don't don't worry about it. They're just not telling anybody what's going on. But in fact, something is going on, and it's worthy of an update. We talked about it, I think it was last week. I'm going to update you on the latest information on the U.S. trucker convoy. They have, in fact, made it to the D.C. area, and uh, I will tell you about their plans, what they're intending to do. Coming up at 15 past. Also, there's so much in the stories. Uh, I want to follow up on another story we covered about uh, the use of aborted fetal babies born whole, sometimes alive. And they were sold and used in scientific research. There's a, there's a twist to that story I want to share with you. Also coming up at 15 past the hour. However, uh, 35 past the hour, we're going to have a great conversation with Kelsey Wicks from the Catholic News Agency. She is, uh, I think, their chief operating officer. And there's a story out. Pope Francis opened special process to canonize 16 Carmelite martyrs of the French Revolution. We're going to have her dive into that story for us. Tell us what are the details of their life? How is it that they came to become martyrs for the faith? And what process by which the Holy Father is using to elevate them to become saints? All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. So much in the news, of course. More uh, stories on the Russia-Ukraine situation. Civilians are finally able to flee Uh, Apparently in a safe corridor. That's good news. Russian aircraft bombarded Kiev overnight. That's terrible news. Uh, But they have released their demands of what they want uh, in order to uh, stop the military operation. That includes the Ukraine never joining the EU or NATO, changing their constitution forever and ceasing all military action. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, sure. But the Vatican is sending a cardinal to Ukraine. Uh, so that's an interesting story. Uh, lots of uh, stories going along on the border, of course. But, uh, you know, Florida is to become the first state to recommend against COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. Very, very fascinating. And, but by the way, the White House still refuses to up oil production in America, choosing rather to buy it from Venezuela and Iran instead. So there's that. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, to speak about the oil production, Venezuela is a good friend of Putin's. So it's yeah, not like we're uh, getting an improvement there in terms of sanctions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah well, can we just buy Russian oil through you? Would that, would that work? <laughs> Look, man, we just want to put a little distance between us and Putin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of distance there. Yeah. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? Despite the fact that uh, we green energy mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Uh, is not available in the U.S., but it is available in Venezuela and Russia <laughs> because uh, the oil production in Venezuela and Russia. So green. All green. All green. All green. Yeah. yeah. By the way, your, uh, your truck is... Uh, Solar powered or, or is it wind? I, I forget. Which it's uh, it's cash powered apparently. <laughs> I just I just pour cash. No, it's into, I just get my cash and I just stuff it down my uh, yeah. my tank yeah. and I, that's what powers it. 
<laughs> at least that's what it feels like at this point. I heard that, that banks are going to open branches at gas stores just to provide the financing you need to fill the tank. So. Yeah, they moved uh, the ATM from inside the Bucky's to outside of the Bucky's. <laughs> I was like, pump. what's up with that? Yeah, that's right. So during inflation, do you spend less on the tank? Because you're putting more <laughs> in there, right? Fascinating. <laughs> Deep philosophical inflation thoughts <laughs> by Rudy Carlos. Well, and we're going to have a great show. I just want to thank uh, today for uh, joining us and offering up our prayers, fasting, and sacrifices. Sherry Everett, God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining our 2022 Lenten uh, prayer, fasting, and penance campaign. We are praying. If you haven't heard, uh, let me just tell you, we are praying and fasting and doing penance, offering up our sacrifices for the conversion of grave and ardent sinners, heretics, and blasphemers, people that uh, we tend to neglect, we we tend to not think of them too often, other 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 than in terror, you know, I don't like what they do kind of terms, but uh, we want to offer our Lent to uh, give our these sacrifices to Our Lady in particular that she may uh, work towards their conversion if it be God's holy will. Uh, so we're also praying the Golden Arrow Prayer. So we're going to do that all Lent long, praying the Golden Arrow Prayer. But today is Sherry Everett's day. She took that on the calendar. If you want to take a day, you can do that by going to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Click on the 2022 Lenten campaign link. It'll give you all the information you're going to need. But let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, most unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now you're breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, March 8th, and these are your headlines. The Epic Times reports U.S. Senate passes bill to end COVID-19 national emergency. The resolution passed 48 to 47 on vote. All Republicans voted for SJ Resolution 38, which would end the national emergency declared by President Donald Trump on March 13th, 2020. All Democrats voted against the declaration, which has been extended twice by President Joe Biden. The measure now heads to the Democrat Majority House of Representatives, who have generally been more in favor of restrictions than the GOP. Even if the House were to approve the measure, the White House said on March 3rd that Biden would veto it. And The Hill reports China warns U.S. against Pacific NATO. China is cautioning against the U.S. supporting Taiwan and trying to build a Pacific version of NATO due to renewed attention on the status of the Asian island. China's foreign minister Wang Yi claimed Monday that the real goal of the United States' plans in the Indo-Pacific was to develop Asia's response to NATO. Although the U.S. does not officially recognize Taiwan as a country, we have supported the island through defense aid. And Axios reports Russian invasion threatens global food supply. Russia and Ukraine account for about 12% of the calories the world trades. The two countries combine for nearly a third of global wheat and barley exports, and Ukraine is a major exporter of corn, of which Europe is heavily reliant on for animal feed. Global supplies are already stretched thin because of droughts in the wheat belt region of North America. And Breitbart reports Clinton Global Initiative reactivated after long hiatus. In a statement on Friday, former President Bill Clinton said the Clinton Global Initiative will be making its comeback to address the many challenges facing the world today, from climate change to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the coronavirus pandemic. A subset of the infamous Clinton Foundation 
program, uh, Clinton Foundation program, the program convenes global and emerging leaders to create and implement solutions to the world's most pressing challenges, according to its website. By the way, the idea of the initiative came from Epstein, who didn't kill himself. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, I must apologize, is actually for March 7th. I got my days mixed up. But the, the saint of the day is St. Thomas Aquinas, whose traditional feast day is March 7th, the day he died. He was born in 1226, and you've all heard the story of St. Thomas Aquinas before, at least I've told you before. And so here are some things about him you probably did not know. The sub-prior of the monastery came to lay his ailing eyes against the visage of the saint, and at once he was cured. This was the first miracle to follow the death of St. Thomas. At Radisbon, St. Albert the Great, his old master, learned by a vision of the death of his beloved disciple. His companions saw him suddenly dissolve into tears, saying, I announce to you, he said to them, the saddest of news, Brother Thomas Aquinas, my son in Christ, who was the light of the church, has just died. He wept and said he was the flower and glory of the world. Fifteen years after the death of Thomas, Lady Theodora wished to possess as a relic the right hand of her brother. When they opened the tomb, the whole convent was filled with the smell of roses, and Thomas's body was found still intact as though he were asleep. Forty-two years after his death, a visitor to the chapel asked the brother who was in charge to show him the relics. He venerated them all piously, but before the hand of St. Thomas, he started to laugh and mock. Immediately, he was seized with a strange sickness. He started to tremble and had his head begin to throb. Terrified, he saw his error, went to confession, and came back to kiss with respect the hand that he had mocked. The sweet odor that it gave forth cured him and filled both his person and his clothing. In ordering the inquiry upon the virtues and miracles of the great doctor, Pope John XXII had said, We believe that Brother Thomas is glorious in heaven because his life was holy and his doctrine alone is a miracle. Then before an assembly of cardinals casting from right to left, one could say he looked right and then looked left, a look gentle as a ray of sun, he spoke in these terms. Venerable brethren, it would be a great glory for us and for the church if we could inscribe this servant of God among the saints, because alone he has done more to enlighten the church than all the other doctors put together. In a single year, one may profit more from reading what he has written than by studying for a whole lifetime the other theologians. Then by a long letter dated July 18, 1323, and addressed to the entire church, Pope John XXII proclaimed the sainthood of Brother Thomas Aquinas. He died on March 7, 1274. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cassian said, a 5th century priest and monk said, We should indeed pray often, but in short form, lest if we be long in our prayers, the enemy that lies in wait for us might suggest something for our thoughts. Wow, I found that very fascinating. Hmm, like if we just babble on and on, sort of making it up free form as we go, we run the risk of suggestions being planted in our minds. That's a very interesting thought. So do we go long? Do we go short? What about all these prayers, these litanies, all of this stuff in our patrimony and our tradition that we love to pray? What about the Holy Rosary? <gasps> what happens next? Augustine says, yet to continue long in prayer is not as some think what is meant, what is here meant, by using many words. For much speaking is one thing, and an enduring fervency is another. For of the Lord himself it is written that he continued a whole night in prayer and prayed at great length, setting an example to us, going on to say, let prayer then be without much speaking, but not without much entreaty. If this fervent spirit can be supported for much speaking in prayer is to use in a necessary matter more words than necessary. But to entreat much is to importune with enduring warmth of heart him to whom our entreaty is made. For often is this business affected more by groans than by words, by weeping more than speech. Close quote, St. Augustine. Pray for us. St. Chrysostom would say, Hereby he dissuades from empty speaking in prayer, as, for example, when we ask of good, or we ask of God things improper, as dominions, fame, overcoming our enemies, our abundance of wealth. He commands then that our prayers should not be long, long that is, not in time, but in multitude of words. For it is right that those who ask should persevere in their asking, being instant in prayer, as the apostle instructs, but does not thereby enjoin us to compose a prayer of 10,000 verses and speak at all, which he secretly hints at when he says, do not ye use many words, close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. Well, where are we at here? Should we pray things like the rosary and repetitive prayer? Well, let's not forget how many times Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me in the garden. Or how he prayed all night long in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, before choosing his apostles. Let alone the prayers of the angels before the throne of God in heaven in the book of Revelation who continually, night and day, repeat the same prayers. It's about your intention more than anything. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is up next. A common charge atheists level at Christians is that their faith is blind. That's to say, their belief is without evidence. How is a Christian to respond? Well, first, Christianity doesn't demand that someone believe without evidence. For example, John writes in John 20, 31, Jesus' signs are written that you may believe. John sees his testimony of Jesus' miracles as sufficient evidence to merit rational belief by those who couldn't see him perform the signs. Second, the charge takes evidence as that which is personally verified. But if that were the only evidence worthy of belief, well then we would have to reject the practice of science, since we can't personally verify every scientific conclusion made prior to us. But that's absurd. 
So the charge that Christian faith is blind faith is unfounded, and thus not a reason to reject Christianity. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Quick side note, we just had somebody trying to solicit uh, business on, on our Facebook feed, asking uh, for people to get their tarot cards read. That is a sin to do so. Don't ever do that. If you know somebody in the t- who's getting tarot cards read or going to see palm readers, tell them not to do that. That's grave. It's sinful. It's horrible. Tell them to go to a priest, make a good confession, and pray acts of reparation. Um, go see, uh, there's some great videos on this. Father Ripperger's talked about this in the past. Uh, just YouTube that, and I think you'll find some good content there. Maybe we should cover that subject, Rudy. That's a great idea. Yeah, let's book somebody. Hey, coming up at 35 past the hour, Kelsey Wicks is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about the 16 Carmelite martyrs of the French Revolution. And uh, interesting story, praise be to God, very inspiring. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to you, dear listener, as well. Here's an update on a story I talked about last week about the, the use of babies in scientific research. Here is an article uh, out of LifeSite News. The headline goes, Francis Collins led NIH not only backed research on aborted fetuses, but sex change testing on young kids. That's less than optimal. Uh, the subheadline says the former National Institutes of Health director is considered an exemplary public Christian, but his actions paint a different picture. Most readers of this site will remember the horrifying 2019 revelations of experiments done with the body parts of aborted babies at the University of Pittsburgh that included details like, quote, Francis Collins NIH had approved a research grant requested by the University of Pittsburgh scientists who desired to graft the scalps of aborted fetuses onto rats and mice. Their research findings were published by Nature in September 2020 and included photos showing patches of soft, wispy baby hair growing amid coarse rodent fur. Close quote. It's very graphic. It's horrible. We discussed that last week. It, uh, I'm, it's repugnant just to even just talk about it, to be honest with you. However, disturbingly, as the article goes on to say, it now turns out that these grotesque embryonic Frankenstein projects are not the only experiments on young humans that Collins has signed off on. According to Chris Elston, an activist who raises awareness about the effects of puberty blockers and sex change surgeries on kids, uh, the NIH also gave $5.7 million to Dr. Joanna Olson Kennedy, who heads up the gender clinic at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. The NIH funded Olson Kennedy's research at several clinics. This research included exploring sex change for children as young as grade three. 
and lowering the age at which girls could receive testosterone from 13 to 8 years old. This is radical medical experimentation on children that includes treatments causing irreversible damage, all with money approved by one of America's most prominent evangelicals. As the Daily Wire's Megan Basham has pointed out, Collins clearly knew about this personally. This is what uh, this is, without a doubt, scandalous. Dr. Francis Collins has been put forward for years by some as an example of faithful presence, a quiet, non-confrontational, but very impactful Christian witness in the public square. The records and receipts of Collins' time heading up the NIH tell a very different story. The two of the great American tragedies of the last several decades, the destruction of the experimentation on human embryos and the devastating transgender experiment on children bear his signature. History will not judge him or those who supported him kindly. Um, you can read more about this article over at LifeSite News. We can link to it uh, on the live video feeds if you would like. You can find it there. However, I'll need to say this. This is disturbing Every, there's not, no aspect of this that's, that seems redeeming in any way, shape, or form. Science is not a religion, although they treat it like it is. They treat like science is everything. And they will do and whatever they want. They'll make any rationalization. And let me tell you something. I firmly believe that the fruit, the 500-year fruit of the Protestant Reformation is this kind of rationalization. That we can decide, we can make these, these conclusions that we can take a human person made in the image and likeness of God, and we can do whatever we want in the name of science. That's a slippery slope. Truth is a person, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And I was reading in our, my Lenten preparation and our Lenten exercise for our family about union with Mary about how if Jesus is the gateway to the Father, Our Lady is the gateway to the Son, who at the moment of conception in her womb enjoyed the most unique and special relationship with the God-man. And this is the example by which we should follow as Christians. This dignity of life at conception, which was celebrated. You can see this in Mary's visiting Elizabeth and the baby leaping in the womb of Elizabeth. This dignity of the human person at conception. We can't therefore decide and rationalize that it's okay to use taxpayer dollars and or as Christians, we must, everything is informed in our life by what we believe. That person who died for us on the cross, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we truly believe who, that he is God, if we truly believe that his sacrifice was to redeem our souls and give us a shot, a chance at even making it to purgatory, let alone heaven, then we must inform, that must inform everything we do in life. And this is repugnant to me, that we would see not only the experimentation of babies, but also the disfigurement, the perversities fostered upon children. This is why in Florida, uh, they have been standing up and saying no more to this. And Florida has been uh, trying to kick out this transgender ideology out of elementary schools. That's why in the state of Texas, they've said no more of this therapy stuff. And, and they're trying to take a stand. We must support them in that. And it's not easy to do, but we must do it nonetheless. Because unfortunately, our society has slipped way too far. The fruit of 500 years of the Protestant Reformation is just this 
tyranny of rationalism, as Benedict once said. We must stand up to that. We must offer our prayers, our fasting, and our sacrifices for those that would stand up in the culture. Uh, I think TFP is doing a fantastic job. I would encourage you to check them out. Here's another story that I think uh, we can update you on. We talked about this last week. Remember, Rudy, we were conversating upon the trucker convoy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it kind of felt like a dud, Yeah, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's not in the news. Uh, it lost a lot of momentum because of the war. Yeah, Just I kind mean, of uh, got thrown under the rug, unfortunately. It's, it's like the Canadian trucker convoy did great, you know, uh, had a real impact. And then all of a sudden, Ukraine, and then this, we felt like, oh, but I felt bad for them almost, the, maybe, the organizers. Maybe I should say it got thrown under the truck. Under the tank? Under the truck, you know, trucker birth. Uh, uh, anyway. Pun intended. Uh, I see uh, where you're going. You know, yeah. I thought you were going to make a Didn't Russian land. joke. Didn't land. It's Tough okay. crowd, huh? I got, what you, I, got, <laughs> I got what you're putting down. Picking up what you're putting down. Uh, but so there is an update. So I, I guess there is still some great news about the trucker convoy in, in several ways, I would say. Number one, they have finally made it to the D.C. area. They stopped in Maryland, and they held a rally there. And one of the organizers got up, and he, in front of everybody, he, he actually pleaded with the crowd he he begged them to maintain civility to not break the law you know he reiterated their goals what they're trying to accomplish and how they were going to be different in many ways and um and so he didn't want to tell all the plans right away and part of the reason is because they had reported that there have been infiltrators in the crowd who are anxious to stir up trouble and that way they look bad, right? So uh, we we saw this also in other big rallies, like, for instance, at the Capitol a year ago or so. Uh, so they're trying to avoid some of that. And they know if they go downtown D.C., they're going to run into a lot of trouble because the police at the Capitol have been ready for them, putting up barricades and all the rest. So this is what they've done. They've decided instead to make loops around the beltway of Washington, D.C. They've and they have, in fact, completed a few loops, and they're going to be meeting and doing this, I guess, daily until they see some results. So they have, uh, I think it's over a 1,000 vehicles in their convoy. They're doing the entire circuit twice per day. They're following the law. They're driving 55 miles per hour. and But they are very concerned, according to this report that I see over at the Epic Times, that, in fact... Uh, there are, you know, bad actors in the group that are trying to, you know, stir up trouble, and they're also worried about people cutting them off and then slamming on the brakes and causing a major pileup. So far, according to this report anyway, no accidents and no major traffic interruptions have occurred. Now, this reminds me, when I was a kid, I, I, there was a, a similar protest in Indianapolis where the truckers took, a, I think it was the second lane, and they just looped Indianapolis. And it was actually hard to get, you couldn't, like, if you can get on the highway, you really couldn't get over, you couldn't get past them or through them. So it was tricky business. And it is very disruptive in that regard. However, it does seem like they're trying to do their best to find a way to let their voices be heard. And at the same time, not truly be a disruptive force to the, on the people that are trying to commute to work or back. So we'll see how that goes. Matt, what do they what do they want? That's the big question. So they've asked for meetings with congressmen. Ted Cruz and I believe it was Johnson from uh, Wisconsin were the two that said that they were going to meet with them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's uh, Ted Cruz from Texas and Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. 
but they haven't list given the names of any of the others yet. And the reason why is because until they commit, they don't want to they don't want to put that out there. But ultimately, they want an end to the emergency act that the Senate just voted to do away with. But a Congress has decided they're probably never going to vote on it. And even if they did, President Joe Biden has already stipulated that he'll simply veto it. But they want the emergency powers uh, to be rescinded when it comes to uh, COVID, which is interesting because, as we said last week, already at this point, we're seeing many, uh, many states, many organizations all scaling back. We're seeing countries like the UK, for instance, just recently getting rid of all of its mandates. Even in New York, they've gotten rid of the mask mandates and the vaccine man- mandates there. In And that's a you know deep blue state. So it's very interesting that what lingers is really is the federal emergency powers in regards to COVID, and they want those rescinded. And so they have promised, and this was according to the rally I was watching this uh, organizer's comments, um, Mr. Brace, he was saying that they intend to do these loops around Washington, D.C. until that happens. So they don't, they, so they don't plan to go anywhere. So let's We'll see how that goes, and if more information comes, we'll have to update you. But uh, so far, that is the story. I found that very interesting. I wonder if if that wasn't, you know, the plan all along, that they're just trying to avoid as much trouble as they can. Now, there were reports of uh, large uh, crowds gathering at the bridges. I don't have any numbers on that. This article doesn't actually stay stated, but I can see pictures, and there's, you know, a good little group there uh, on some of these bridges that are encouraging them as they drive by. So we'll have to update you more on that story when we get more information. But as of right now, according to this article over at the Epic Times, even the Massachusetts State Police haven't really commented or taken any action. So again, I don't know. We'll have to sit back and wait and see. But uh, that's that for now. Coming up after this short, very short break, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos. And then we're going to jump into a great story, a very inspiring story by Kelsey Wicks from the Catholic News Agency about 16 Carmelite martyrs becoming saints. All that and more coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Blaze reports White House Nix's idea of upping domestic oil production amid energy crisis. At the time of this reporting, crude oil prices have risen as high as $130 per barrel. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Sunday argued against the idea of increasing domestic oil production. She says, quote, It's a reminder that real energy security comes from reducing our dependence on fossil fuels. End quote. She said also adding that uh, opening up the Keystone pipeline would not fix the problem at hand since the pipeline is not processing oil through the system. And Breitbart reports poll. Americans view nuclear weapons, terrorism and China as top U.S. threats. Americans concerned by political uh, affiliate. Americans' concerns by political affiliation defer by double-digit margins on about half of the issues measured in the survey. The largest difference is global warming. 83% of Democrats view global warming as a critical threat compared to 19% of Republicans. The second largest gap is on immigration, with 82% of Republicans and 25% of Democrats viewing it as a major threat, according to a Gallup poll. Democrats are also more likely than GOP voters to view the spread of infectious diseases as a critical threat. In contrast, Republicans are more likely than Democrats to believe the economic and military power of China, Iranian nuclear weapons, and inter- international terrorism are threats. And LifeSite reports Pope Francis is using synod to separate church leadership from ordination, says a liberal Vatican nun. Sister Natalie Beckert, a prominent female member of the Vatican Curia, says the vision of Pope Francis through the synod is to get rid of a clerical church and move to a synodal church to disconnect from participation in the leadership of the church from ordination. We can say that the way now is to listen to all different views, <coughs> except traditional ones, adding that this particularly applies to women in ecclesiastical leadership. Excuse me. Washington Times reports Kremlin provides a list of demands to Ukraine for ending the war. The demands include Ukraine ceasing all military actions, changing its constitution to ensure neutrality, acknowledging Crimea as Russian territory and recognizing two republics in the Donbass region as independent territories. The specific changes to Ukraine's constitution include rejecting any attempt to join other blocs, such as NATO or the European Union. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, Joining us right now is Kelsey Wicks, Operation Manager for Catholic News Agency. Good morning to you, Kelsey. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. Great article over there uh, on Catholic News Agency's website. The headline goes, Pope Francis opens special process to canonize 16 Carmelite martyrs of the French Revolution. Praise be to God. Tell us about this. I think this is a very unique story. But first, let's. who are these uh, 16 Carmelites and what is their what is their story? How do they become martyrs? Well, I'm happy to introduce you to some of uh, my greatest heroines. Um, These 16 Carmelite sisters, uh, three of them are lay sisters, two of them are externs, and 11 of them are cloistered nuns, find themselves born into one of the most tumultuous times in Catholic history, um, the French Revolution, which had a very anti-Catholic animus. And these sisters, um, in the midst of harrowing persecutions, remain faithful to their religious vows and actually are inspired to make an additional vow to offer their lives for the ending of the French Revolution, a vow of martyrdom, if it would come to them. And so they actually are given the the grace by God to uh, fulfill this vow. And as they are processed to their deaths, they begin singing um, the Te Deum, the Vene Creator Spiritus, and they sing all the way to the scaffold, um, wow. silencing the crowd 
and really in, inspiring um, a moment of repentance amongst the people of France. Uh, the crowds in those executions used to be just raucous and um, there for the spectacle. 17,000 were executed in, in the public square during the time of the, um, the, uh, the ending days of the revolution. And um, these sisters silenced that crowd. Kelsey, I'm wondering, you know, the French Revolt is its a really big topic, but I'm wondering if you could give people who don't know about this uh, just a short version of what led to the events of the persecutions of uh, Christians. Yes, yeah, so um, <clears throat> there, there's been a long movement in, in France um, with some intellectual underpinnings, um, Voltaire being one of them, mm. uh, and, and attempts to uh, reform French society. Those reforms become uh, coupled with many, as I said, anti-Catholic propositions. And so in 1790, the the immediate lead up to the events of of the martyrdom of these sisters, the civil constitution on the clergy is promulgated. And this requires an oath that will um, uh, force religious and priests to essentially conflict with with um, their their deepest held beliefs. So uh, many priests become um, non-abjuring priests and they have to flee. Uh, the sisters refuse to take the vow and are imprisoned in their convent, um, which shows you how little the, the, they understood about convent life because they already took a vow of enclosure. <laughs> um, but the um, the persecution continues to gain speed. All the church properties are confiscated. Um, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral becomes a, a temple dedicated to the goddess of reason in, in one of the most blasphemous um, anti-consecrations in, in church history. Wow. Um, and uh, finally, becoming uh, having any religious practice actually leads one to be labeled as a counter-revolutionary and to be executed. And that's where the sisters found themselves. I think it's one of those, you know, when we grow up, we go through school, they tell us about the French Revolution, and it's so sanitized. It's so, the the, the teeth has been removed completely from it. And most people uh, aren't lovers of history, and they don't go back and study. They They don't go looking into these details. So they go through life into adulthood, and they think, Oh, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of you know, it's they got a cool catchphrase now, and they <laughs> and they keep it today. Uh, how how bad could this be? In fact, the French Revolution was horrible. Um, as you said, seven in your article, seventeen thousand people. Uh, the the incredible, scandalous, uh, blasphemous uh, atrocity of what happened in the cathedral, and uh, and yet there's these these innocent nuns who have dedicated themselves, offered themselves up as a sacrifice. And I've heard many people preach on this, many uh, priests preach on this, that it was after the sacrifice that the bloodlust actually abated. Did you see any parallels there? Yes. I mean, it's one of those those beautiful moments of um, religious lore that um, we, we will never know until, until the other side of heaven what actually ended the French Revolution. But we do know that in the Easter of 1792, the prioress, Sister Mary of St. Augustine, um, encouraged the sisters to make this vow and that they fulfilled it with their lives. And, you know, I mean, religious life is already um, a perfection of the Christian life. It's it's modeled directly after the, the pattern of Christ's life. And so how much 
how much more elevated can you get than that? Well, <laughs> perhaps martyrdom, you know, <laughs> um, religious life is actually a martyrdom. It's a martyrdom by pinpricks instead of the sword. Mm. But here these sisters were actually given, you know, the sword, the guillotine, and um, just an incredible, incredible witness to um, holding on to the faith in, in the midst of the, the most intense persecution. And I think that witness, you know, that's what the word martyr means, is is intimately tied up with the ending of the French Revolution and that bloodlust. But as I say, we we will never know on this side of history. You know, that's very interesting. I, I just, I love the, this whole idea of these uh, these sisters going off to die as a witness for the true faith against the French revolutionaries, because especially today, it's so relevant because we are the sons of the French Revolution. We have uh, the the ideological sons of Voltaire uh, all throughout America, and uh, America, and then Voltaire has his own mythology surrounding him and many things that surround his story. But uh, could you speak a little bit about why they are so relevant for us today? We have about two and a half minutes or two minutes before we go to a break. Yeah, you know, I think if I were um, to summarize the most beautiful thing about their lives, it was their their grasp upon the things of heaven. Um, so, you know, that's what it actually takes in order to to face down death in the way that they did um, when they. When they arrived at the scene of the execution, they actually began singing um, the hymns that were traditional for a religious consecration. And then the novice made her vows, the lone novice made her vows into the hands of the mother. And each sister, the the priors had a, a statue of the Blessed Virgin, each sister knelt, kissed the statue and said, permission de mourir, mère, which means permission to die, mother. Wow. And then she said, va ma fille, go my daughter. And they mounted the steps one by one. And the novice was the first to die. And this is what I'm saying about the grasp on heaven, right? This is what every Christian needs is that supernatural vision. Um, we possess God in our souls by the grace of baptism, but we, we, can, um, we can falter, right? You know, one day in heaven, we'll have that same life that we have now in a seed form, but with the vision that will make it impossible for us to turn away. But they possessed in in their faith, um, in in their grasp of heaven, their vision of heaven, this this power, this this reassurance that what they were living for was was absolutely worth dying for. And so the novice spontaneously intones the Laudate Dominum as she as her neck is 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 on the guillotine. And each sister would would kiss the Blessed Virgin, mount those steps, offering her her life in obedience um, with with the permission granted by the superior, and then continue the song until the very last one. Wow! So the witness is, you know, huge vision of heaven. Yeah, praise be to God. Hold that thought. Kelsey Wicks is our guest. She is with Catholic News Agency. We're talking about her article, Pope Francis Opens Special Process to Canonize 16 Carmelite Martyrs of the French Revolution. After this very short break, we're going to talk about that special process. What does that mean? All of that and more coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. During the 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the desert, the first temptation he experienced from the devil was that of hunger. 
The devil said, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus responds by quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. God let the Israelites be afflicted with hunger in the desert, but then fed them with manna, a food unknown to them that prefigured the Eucharist, so that they might know that it is not by bread alone that people live, but by faith. If we put our faith first, God will provide for our needs. Keep this in mind as we fast and abstain each Friday this Lent. If you already give up meat on Fridays, give up something else to bring you a little hunger. For fasting purifies the soul. It shifts our priorities to God and lets Him provide for us. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you, praise be to God. Kelsey Wicks is our guest. She is with Catholic News Agency. We're talking about the 16 Carmelite martyrs of the French Revolution and their incredible, heroic, just amazing witness, praise be to God. Uh, welcome back to the show, Kelsey Wicks. So um, talk about, to me about the special process. I mean, by definition, martyrs, are saints, are they not? And so what is the special process from His Holiness? Yeah, so um, there's a process uh, of canonization that um, relies more upon a recognition of the cult of sanctity around um, a person who's been dead for a, a long time or persons who've been dead for a long time. And essentially it goes through the same process. You know, there needs to be heroic virtue. There needs to be a cult around this person. There needs to be... Um, some some former fashion of recognition of miracles. And um, for people who've been dead for a very long time, it can actually be a bit difficult to have a modern miracle um, if their if their cult isn't you know worldwide and, and things like this. So actually what um, uh, equivalent canonization does is um, the, the Latin um, equipollens canonizatio uh, actually means equivalent to canonization. So it just allows um, the Holy Father to dis sort of give the um, historian of the Congregation of Saints mm. the ability to, to see if there were any miracles during the lifetime or, or immediately after that would have historical reliability surrounding them. And so do we know anything about where they're at with this? So that's what we don't know. The process has just been opened at the request of the bishops of France and the Order of Carmelites Discalced. So the process is just in its beginning, and it will likely proceed with very little fanfare. Pope Francis has used equivalent canonization a number of times, including with St. Peter Faber, um, a Jesuit, and um, St. Margaret of Costello. It, it doesn't have the same solemnity of, of celebration as the other canonizations, which are, are typically, um, you know, in St. Peter's Square, and there are large uh, banners unfurled and uh, great masses. These these just take place by a papal bull. Mm. 
So do we have any sense of how long this process will will take? There is no sense of timing. Again, um, mm. some of these, you know, they open and they go rather quickly. It, it depends upon the amount of material that's been submitted to the historian at the Congregation of Saints. And uh, that is is still something that we're anxiously awaiting. Is the convent still there? I mean, it, uh, are there sisters there now that would be ready to celebrate this declaration? Absolutely. I think the entire Carmelite order would be ready well, sure. to celebrate. But there, theirs in particular? In, in Compiègne, yes. There, there, is, there is still um, a, a convent there. And there, are also, um, there also is a really neat uh, connection between uh, the convent in Compiègne and um, a, an English a Benedictine convent. And these English uh, Benedictines were actually in France at the time of the French Revolution, and their four mothers were in prison at the same time as the Carmelite martyrs of Compiègne. They were actually benefited from the ending of the French Revolution and uh, formed a daughter house in England. So even the Benedictines, I think, will celebrate. Wow. <laughs> Even the Benedictines. I like the way you say that. Even they will, will come and celebrate. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, it's a pretty fascinating story. I, one of the things I was just reminded of uh, listening to you tell about their story is uh, Hollywood and its depiction of, uh, of saints and stories. Over the weekend, my family and I watched two great movies off of Formed. Uh, one was uh, St. Joseph of Cupertino. Uh, and, you know, when I, last week, the week before, I watched... Uh, the Fighting Sullivans, and it was a time in Hollywood where they would depict Catholic faith in a positive light, and uh, it, it was a beautiful thing. I, I mean, St. Joseph of Cupertino is such a marvelous film, and it dates even to—you can still watch it today. It's still very, very good. And yet, silence, you know, is what we get today, produced beautifully, but it really casts doubt on faith and martyrdom in particular. Um, how do you see that as a journalist? I mean, I would love to see a film about these. I don't think it was a play about them, but I would love to see a film about them. What say you? Listen, I would like to issue a challenge to every Catholic artist that is listening to this radio show, every um, university theater program, um, the Metropolitan uh, Opera House. I would love to see the, the opera that exists um, based upon the famous um uh, work by George Bernanos um, called The Dialogue of, of the Carmelites. There's an opera actually based upon his text and it will leave you speechless. I mean, it it's this incredible, incredible meditation upon faith, upon prayer, upon uh, the contemplation of one's death, um, the meaning of life and, and um, it, it is spectacular, but it's not running anymore. I would love to see, you know, Catholics everywhere take up the challenge to bring that back to theaters, bring that back to um, opera houses in in the year that th that this possibly happens um, mm. or in the lead up to it. And I agree with you. I think the time has come for a movie. I mean, this would have all of the of the drama and, and yeah. uh <laughs> It'd be amazing. and you know heartbeat of of martyrdom. So. Wow, that's amazing. I was just thinking while you're saying that of uh, Santa Maria de la Luz, who is a uh, Cristero martyr, 
And uh, she was very much into uh, acting, and they were actually saying during her life that if she decided that she wanted to pursue acting, that she could have made it in Hollywood. Uh, but she ends up becoming a martyr instead. And it just makes me think of, because like, you see the, her, this, this young lady, Santa Maria de la Luz, playing Joan of Arc, playing Mary of Scotland, and uh, in their plays and in these kind of things. And you see the same thing, St. Therese de la Sue, a Carmelite, who would play Joan of Arc in the Carmelite, in the Carmel. And uh, these, we see these kind of things happening, and we also have this kind of this takeover of all the arts by secular culture, where everything has to be degenerate, everything has to be horrible. But that's not the way it used to be, and we can't just cede that ground to the left and cede it to the secular culture. We have to take that back. And I'm just thinking, what an amazing opportunity that would be to uh, to see something like this be created, especially now. Uh, I'm just thinking. What about their lives? I mean, you have the culmination of the actual martyrdom, but what were the the uh, these sisters like before that happened? Any sense? Yes. Um, well, actually, there's there's great testimony amongst um, fellow religious that this particular convent was exceptional in its fervor and its devotion, and you know the the manner of one's life can really be seen in in the manner of one's death and. I mean, you think of the regularity of religious life, waking up every morning at, um, you know, well, for Carmelites, waking up even in the middle of the night to do matins and then waking up every morning at 4.50 a.m. And, and and the sort of crucifixion of self that happens in regularity, it is an amazing crucible for courage. Mm-hmm. Um, courage requires a, a sort of patience. You know, there's that great line, um, by your suffering, you will possess your souls, says um, our Lord in the Gospel of Luke. And they possessed their souls enough to be able to give them away at the end. And that can only come through years of, of shaping and sharpening or by, you know, a, a, an infusion of grace at, at the last moment. But, you know, I think with these particular sisters, they were, they were living heroically the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, which are sort of the the untalked about um, assistance in, in, um, in the Christian life and the gift of fortitude. It's sort of like, um, it's like a transplant of a steel spine into you, you know? Wow. (laughs) I like that. That's amazing. (laughs) Make spines great again. I like this. Uh, One thing that makes me curious is, you know, France has just never been the same since the French revolution. Um, The eldest daughter of the church, when it's King Clovis, you know, was baptized and, and brought her into the church. It was a, an incredible time and a period. Um, but frankly, she has just never been the same since the French Revolution, subject to the state still to this day. Uh, do you see it possible that these 16 Carmelite martyrs might still yet have a role and an impact in bringing and winning back France for, for the church? Listen, I never surrender hope as a general principle, you know, and in, in, in talking with anyone, you know, you always, you always teach to the hope. Um, Anything is possible with our Lord. And even in the midst of the darkness after the, the French revolution, you know, John Vianney, I believe um, was influenced in, in his desire to pursue the priesthood because those, those non-adjuring priests would actually, um, uh, abjuring priests would actually find their way to his family's barn in in hiding, 
So, um, you know, even in the midst of persecution, I think we can find the lights of Christ Mm -hmm. and we never know what just one saint does. It's true that the whole country might not be a a breeding ground for saints, but, you know, just one saint has an enormous impact upon history. And um, I, I think that that hope always exists. Well, they certainly have had a lot of saints. I mean, praise be to God. St. Therese, St. Bernadette, uh, St. John Vianney, as you mentioned. I mean, there's just been a lot of saints that came out of France. Praise be to Jesus. But we do hope and pray that uh, that fervency and zealousness for the faith will reignite in the hearts of the French people. And, uh, and maybe these 16 Carmelite martyrs, soon to become saints, will also play a role in that. That would be amazing. But uh, Kelsey Wicks, thank you for your time today. We're so grateful to have had you on. And we encourage everybody to check out this article. We'll link to it on our social feeds. uh, The headline goes, Pope Francis opens special process to canonize 16 Carmelite martyrs of the French Revolution. And uh, you can find that at catholicnewsagency.com. God bless you, Kelsey. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you so much. Praise be to Jesus. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. We always enjoy having you along for the ride. Praise be to Jesus. Tomorrow, we're going to talk with Jason Jones about his uh, incredible uh, project to rescue Ukrainians. I mean, he's got drivers over there pulling people out. Pretty amazing story. We're going to have him on at 35 past tomorrow morning, and we look forward to that. If you can and you are able to and you're interested in joining us for our 2022 Lenten campaign of offering up prayers, fasting, and penance for the conversion of ardent sinners, blasphemers, and heretics, and peace in the world, please go to our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And uh, you'll find the link at the top there that says CDT 2022 Lenten Campaign. Click on that. You'll get all the information, and you can pick a day on the calendar to offer up your sacrifices and join us. Praise be to God. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. Many people, especially young people in our culture today, are feeling fragmented and lost. They don't know who they are or where they belong. We can see this in an extreme form in the identity politics in our culture today. Without a strong family identity, people see connection and belonging in other places. It's the job of parents to give their children their identity and their mission. Families do this through their individual family culture. 
Your family culture, which includes daily routines as well as traditions, ultimately communicates a deep sense of belonging for your children. This sense of belonging as well as identity is essential for each person's feeling of worthiness and healthy human development. Having this security enables a person to engage with the world wholeheartedly and ready to love. Our identity shouldn't come from whatever social group we are part of, but instead from the fact that we all come from a family, our family on earth and our family in heaven. For more resources on building your family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Tuesday, March the 8th, 2022. And so far, you you are surviving Lent. I mean, congratulations. I mean, hope prayerfully, you're still on track, right? Like you haven't fallen off the bandwagon yet? I wonder. Hmm. Raise your hand if you have fallen off your Lenten bandwagon and you need some encouragement to get back on. Let me encourage you. Get back on. It's a new day to start over today. Forget about yesterday. <laughs> I have, I have, I am doing well, Rudy. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. And no it's coffee. funny. That's that's amazing. I don't know how you're doing it. Well, it was easy. I had a gallstone. I had a sciatic oh, uh, breakdown. I had uh, I had uh, gout, and I threw a knee out. Other than that, the coffee is doing great. Isn't it funny how when you start Lent, you you give yourself all of these uh, self-imposed penances, and then you become a lawyer, and you say, well, if I'm not doing this, maybe I can do I'll, – I'll let myself do this yeah, instead. Yeah, I yeah. said no snacks. Somehow I'm eating more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches than I have in my entire <laughs> life. I, how is that possible? You know, it's funny. I remember, like, praying about what to give up, and, you know, of course, uh, sci-fi – or not sci-fi, Mike, Mike the Brick Wall, our friend – from uh, Virginia, it was like, give up coffee. And I'm like, okay, Oof. Lord, do you want me to give up coffee? I'll give up coffee. And I thought I heard a laugh when I said that. Mike like, Mike was a messenger of God. He I, thought, said, I thought I heard the, the Lord laughing and saying, oh, you think that's good? Oh, you wait. <laughs> you watch. Speaking of pain and suffering, Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. Good morning to Adrian. Good morning. Pain and suffering. What are we talking about? How about your I, Lenten campaign? My, my coffee habits, yes. I have not touched a drop of coffee since Lynn started. Are I you sure? Not <laughs> Do I have to double drop. check? And I have been I've been a okay with it, you know? Really? The, the the whole coffee withdrawals not an issue for me. Not, not at all. No headaches. No, not a headache, no nothing, no shakes. I just I haven't even I haven't even craved coffee so since. So when was the I last started. time you've had coffee? Um, hmm. 
I'll, maybe I'll answer that question later. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. You know, tease, right? Mm, right. I don't know. I feel like that's an important question to ask. Mm. Like, like recently, just yeah, it's totally. Like I mean, last week within maybe? memory, within within memory, <laughs> you say. I don't know. Well, at any rate, if you are having trouble keeping your Lenten, uh, you know, campaign, your your penance, your your plan, today's a new day. You get to start all over today. Praise be to God. Just wake up and decide, hey, today I'm going to get back at it. I'm going to forget about yesterday. I'm going to get right back on schedule. And uh, praise be to God for that. We're going to have a great show for you this hour. We just wrapped up a conversation with Stacy Wicks. Wonderful conversation about 16 Carmelite nuns who gave their lives, I mean, incredibly heroically, inspirationally, uh, in the French Revolution, they gave up their lives, having been their heads removed by the guillotine, singing hymns the whole way. They're in the process of canonization, praise be to God. So check out the podcast today. And if you do listen to our podcast, do me a favor and leave like a five-star review, okay? It helps us. When you leave a five-star review, you help us find a new audience because those you know, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, they like the five, the more five-star reviews, the more they think that that content should be shared with strangers. And so you could help that. Five-star reviews do that. But you can also find us linked up on our website for the podcast as well. Hey, I want to thank Sherry Everett today. God love you, Sherry, joining us in our 2022 Lenten campaign. Speaking of fasting, praying, and penance, she is fasting today. She is offering her sacrifices today and praying the Golden Arrow Prayer with us today for the conversion of ardent sinners, for heretics, blasphemers, and uh, for those souls that we tend to leave behind. We tend not to pray for all that often. And she's also praying for peace in the world. Praise be to God. Thank you, Sherry, for doing that. If you, my dear listener, would like to join us by picking a day on the calendar and offering up your prayers and sacrifices, well, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and look for that link at the top of the page that says CDT 2022 Lenten Campaign, and you'll find all the information you need to pick a day and join us in our campaign. So that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All right, we're going to jump in with prayer. We have good news coming. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we are going to play our game show with new prizes at stake this week. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and here's a story that makes me proud to be a Texan. Daily Wire reports America's biggest children's hospital to stop gender-affirming therapies for kids. Following Texas Governor Greg Abbott's directive for the state to investigate whether some transgender procedures on kids constituted child abuse, a pediatric hospital in Texas has announced that it will stop performing gender-conforming therapies for children. Texas Children's Hospital, America's biggest pediatric hospital, made the announcement on Friday saying the move was aimed at protecting healthcare professionals and families. 
They say, quote, the mission of the Texas Children's Hospital is to create a healthier future for all children, including transgender children, within the bounds of the law, unquote. A statement from the hospital said they continued, this step was taken to safeguard our healthcare professionals and impacted families from potential criminal legal ramifications. Ken Paxton, Texas's attorney general, celebrated the move, saying, glad to hear that today Texas Children's Hospital halted their child abuse procedures. The announcement came after Texas Governor Greg Abbott said that he was ordering Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate whether so-called sex change procedures were child abuse. Conservative pro-life groups welcomed the news, saying the decision was driven by strong political leadership. This is welcome news, but conservatives need to understand why it happened. Texas Children's Hospital didn't just decide to stop castrating children out of the goodness of their hearts. They're pressured by strong political leadership, Terry Schilling, president of the American Principles Project, said. And that's really good news. God love you. The same of the day, I apologize, is actually for March 7th. I got my days crossed. But it is St. Thomas Aquinas. His feast day traditionally was on March 7th, the day he died. And, you know, I've talked about St. Thomas many times. You probably know a lot about his life. But do you know about his miracles, his manifold miracles? He was born in 1226, but when he died on March 7th, the sub-prior of the monastery came to lay his ailing eyes against the visage of the saint, and at once he was cured. This was the first miracle to follow the death of St. Thomas. At Radisbon, St. Albert the Great, his old master, learned by a vision of the death of his beloved disciple. His companions saw him suddenly dissolve in tears. I announce to you, he said to them, the saddest of news. Brother Thomas Aquinas, my son in Christ, who was the light of the church, has just died. He wept and said he was the flower and the glory of the world. Fifteen years after the death of Thomas, Lady Theodora wished to possess as a relic the right hand of her brother. When they opened the tomb, the whole convent was filled with the smell of roses and Thomas's body was found still intact as though he were asleep. Forty-two years after his death, visitors to his chapel asked the brother who was in charge to show him the relics. He venerated them all piously, but before the hand of St. Thomas, he started to laugh and mock. Immediately, he was seized with a strange sickness. He started to tremble, and his head began to throb. Terrified, he saw his errors, went to confession, and came back to kiss with respect the hand that he had mocked. The sweet odor that it gave forth cured him and filled both his person and his clothing. In ordering the inquiry upon the virtues and miracles of the great doctor, Pope John XXII had said, We believe that Brother Thomas is glorious in heaven because his life was holy and his doctrine alone is a miracle. And then before an assembly of cardinals casting from the right to the left a look gentle as a ray of sun, he spoke in these terms. Venerable brethren, It would be a great glory for us and for the church if we could inscribe this servant of God among the saints, because alone he has done more to enlighten the church than all the other doctors put together. And in a single year, one may profit more from reading what he has written than by studying for a whole lifetime the other theologians. Then by a long letter dated July 18, 1323, and addressed to the entire church, Pope John XXII proclaimed the sainthood of Brother Thomas Aquinas. He died March 7, 1274. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. 
Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive you your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cyprian would say, For no excuse will abide you in the day of judgment, when you will be judged by your own sentence, as you have dealt towards others, will be dealt with yourself. Close quote, St. Cyprian, pray for us. It's a heavy, it's a heavy, it's a heavy item in many of our lives that we hold grudges and refuse to forgive others, let alone treat others in ways that lacks Christian charity, right? St. Chrysostom would say, he mentions heaven and the Father to claim our attention, for nothing so likens you to God as to forgive him who has injured you. And it were indeed unmeet should the son of such a father become a slave, and should one who has a heavenly vocation live of this earth and of this life only. Close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, one thing is from St. Thomas Aquinas. If you want to learn about the Our Father and learn it well, you have to read uh, the uh, commentary of St. Thomas Aquinas on the Our Father. I'm going to just read to you a small portion, his short explanation of the whole prayer. He goes down and breaks down each and every line of the Our Father. Highly recommend. He says, By way of a brief summary, it should be known that the Lord's Prayer contains all that we ought to desire and all that we ought to avoid. Now, of all desirable things, that must be most desired, which is most loved, and that is God. Therefore, you seek, first of all, the glory of God when you say, Hallowed be thy name. You should desire these things from God, and they concern yourself. The first is that you may arrive at eternal life, and you pray for, the, for this when you say, Thy kingdom come. The second is that you will do the will of God in his justice. You pray this in the words, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third is that you may have the necess necessaries of life. And thus you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Concerning all these things, the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, which complies with the second. And all these things shall be added unto you as in accord with the third. We must avoid and flee from the things which are opposed to the good. For as we have seen, good is above all things to be desired. This good is fourfold. First, there is the glory of God and no evil is contrary to this. If thou sin, what shall thou hurt him? And if thou do justly, what shall thou give him? Whether it, is of the, whether it be the evil in as much as God punishes it, or whether it be the good in that God rewards it, all redound to his glory. The second good is eternal life, to which sin is contrary, because eternal life is lost by sin. And so to remove this evil, we pray, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. The third good is justice and good works, and temptation is contrary to this, because temptation hinders us from doing good.
We pray, therefore, to have this evil taken away in the words, lead us not into temptation. The fourth good is all the necessaries of life, and opposed to this are troubles and adversaries. And we seek to remove them when we pray, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So let us read today the uh, commentary of St. Thomas Aquinas. I'll link down the commentary below if you're uh, watching on social media. If not, you can go and find it just by looking up St. Thomas Aquinas' commentary on the Pater Noster. It's excellent. It's wonderful. So let us pray today. Let us ask our Lord for the one thing that we need most of all, which is Him. That is what we must love most of all, which is God Himself. Let us ask for that grace, and let us ask for the grace of forgiveness, so that way we may be forgiven, and that we may run to the confessional anytime we commit even one mortal sin, lest we lose our eternal souls. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, it is time to play our game. Fear and trembling with new prizes at stake this week. We have a great opportunity for you, dear listener. If you've never played our game, well, why not try today? It's fun. It's easy. All you have to do is make a phone call at 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open. Rudy is standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. New callers are welcome. If you haven't played in a month, you can try 877-757-9424. Be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and promise me, you got to promise me, you're not going to tell anybody my secrets or my agendas. Is that a deal? All right. Well, here is the deal. Uh, We like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith you did not know before. Praise be to God. I mean, just think about the bragging rights, right? I mean, humility. Uh, Number two, we like to have a laugh. Uh, We like to have a good time. And our callers are amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. Praise be to God. But number three, we like to give out prizes, and that's the kicker, right? We give out prizes, so it's a winner for everybody involved. But here is the deal. Here's the catch, right? I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the question, so they don't need to know the correct answers. They could not know a single correct answer and still win the game, because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy, and I'm going to ask Adrian, and one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise God. Our game show sponsor this week is Classic Catholic. The winner this week will receive a beautiful print of a Eucharistic chalice from the, excuse me, from a Benedictine Abbey design from 1908. My Lord and my God, every time you look at this print, you will think of the precious and holy blood of Jesus. Classic Catholic has many other fantastic illustrations on their Etsy page. Please check them out at Classic Catholic. That's one word, Classic Catholic. Thank you very much. Praise be to God. Thank you, Classic Catholic on Etsy. We're very grateful that you've given us prizes to give away today. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Victoria. Hello. Hey, Victoria, thank you for calling today. Where are you calling from? Uh, San Antonio, Texas. Greatest city in America. Praise be to God. Where do you go to church, Victoria? To Our Lady of the Atonement. Wow. That's like a a castle. It's very cool. I've been there once, praise be to God. (laughs) Uh, Now, Victoria, uh, are you on your way to school today? Yeah. Now, where do you go to school? To the atonement. Oh, well, that's fun. You get to spend a whole day at the castle. That's exciting. Now, do you know how the game works? Do you know how the rules are played? Yeah. All right. So are you ready to go, Victoria? Yeah. All right. We're going to do it. We'll start with Rudy, as is our custom, but I am your guide, so you and I against them. Remember that. All right, Rudy. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. It's our tradition to start with you, so we shall do so. All right. We're going to hold fast to the tradition. If you say so. Hand it on, either by word or by letter. Tradition's not allowed. No, it is here. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Rudy, can you tell me what is the term for an appeal or command... To act given in God's name or in the name of a saint or holy thing? This is an hmm. easy question for me. It sounds complicated. <laughs> what is the term for an appeal or a command to act given in God's name? Uh, like adjuration? It would be like... Ooh, uh, like fancy. Uh, hmm, how do I explain this simply? Uh, let's see here. It would be as if you're speaking in the the 
person of God. It would be like your your being is sort of a messenger of God there. Got it. Okay. Hmm. Adjuration. I wonder if Victoria's Googling that right now <laughs> on her way to atonement. <laughs> Let's find out. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Can you tell me? Yeah. <laughs> wow. You laid into that. What is the term? For, uh-huh. an, for an appeal or command right. to act given in God's name okay. or in the name of a saint or a right. holy thing. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A term for an appeal or command to act given in God's name or in the name of a saint or a holy thing. Yes. Easy. That's easy. Okay. That's called pantomiming. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? You could just say miming for short. M- miming? Mm-hmm. Not memeing. No, not memeing. We're not memeing anything? No, we're not memeing it's anything. It's miming something. So... For those listening on the radio, dead silence. He was just demonstrating pantomiming. That worked. All right, Victoria, here's the deal. This is a tricky one. I'm going to be honest. This is the hardest one I think out of all three. Uh, But is it pantomiming, as uh, Brother Adrian seems to think? Or is it adjuration? Fancy word, as Brother Rudy seems to think. 15 seconds on the clock. Victoria, who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? I'm going for Rudy. Survey says! So wise. Wow! Victoria, that was amazing. I don't think I would have gotten that correct. How did you do that, Victoria? Mm -hmm. Is mommy or daddy there? Easy. You thought it was easy. Wow. Everybody, everybody knows what adjuration means. Praise be to oh, God. God. What does it mean, word. Adrian? It means to swear or to like <laughs> affirm by oath. Mm. Well, now we know. Congratulations. You got the hardest one done. I think we're going to go to the second one. It's going to get you in the cup. We're going to go to Adrian with this. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. Adrian, can that's you me. tell me? That's my name. What? Four letters huh? were inscribed atop the cross on right. which Christ was crucified. Okay. The four letters that were inscribed atop the cross on which Christ was crucified. Yeah. 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 That would be I-D-K. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm, sorry. What does that mean? It, morning allergies. I-D-K, I you say. I-D-K. <laughs> and you're not sure you don't know what it stands for? Or? I don't know. I just, I just know that's the answer. I-D-K. Yeah. I-D-K. You're going to go with that. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Victoria, I think we should get a second opinion here. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me what four letters were inscribed atop the cross? So above cross, above Jesus' head on the cross, uh, when he was crucified, what four letters were there? The sign that was decreed by Pilate to be put there Mm -hmm. says Mm -hmm. I-N-R-I, and that stands for Jesus Nazarenus Rex Iodorum, which means... Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. So your answer is I-N-R-I. That's correct. Okay. All right, Victoria. Maybe this is trickier than I thought it was, but Rudy says I-N-R-I, whereas Adrian says I-D-K. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Victoria, what say you? I'm going for Rudy. Very confident. So wise. Survey says... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. Do y'all know what IDK means? Uh, I don't know. I don't no know one yet. does. I have no, no one knows. No <laughs> I, I, every time I ask. <laughs> it's a trick, Victor. He's tricking you. It's like in Star Wars. It's a trap. You know, it's IDK. I don't know. Yeah, so, no one knows. See? I, I, so I, weird. I, I, t- I warned you. I don't you. get it. 
Very tricky, these people. I think someone might know. You're in for two, Victoria. You must feel pretty good about this. Yeah. Now, do you like riding motorcycles, Victoria? <laughs> well, I've never rode one. Well, then this next question could be tricky then. But uh, it's a fun time. But be safe when you do it, okay? Uh, we're going to go back to Rudy. Why are you laughing? I, I do not endorse children riding motorcycles. It's, yeah. I love riding motorcycles. It's fantastic. Rudy. Hey, go. Can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of motorcyclists? Dang. Well, he died of riding a motorcycle. Oh, wow. Got into a freak accident. What? His name was St. John Blaze. Oh, wow. Yep. They even made a comic book about him. Yeah. Whoa. I, I think comic, I read that one. Comic book character goes by the name of uh, Ghost Rider. Oh yeah. Ghost Rider. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I'm familiar. Like the Holy Ghost Rider, or like what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, so John your Blaise. answer is Ghost Rider. His Saint name is John Blaze. John Blaze, Bla otherwise like, known as Johnny Blaze. So that's the patron saint of motorcyclists, mm -hmm. John Blaze. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, hey, Adrian. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can, huh. You're already agreeing with it? <laughs> <laughs> that leaves me nothing. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of motorcyclists, sir? Well, while St. Johnny Blaze does sound like a good answer, um, I'm going to go with Our Lady of Grace, because Ooh. when you're on a motorcycle, yes. you're going to need a lot of grace mm. to not die. <laughs> so, uh, makes sense. Not bad, bad. So uh, I'm going to go with Our Lady of Grace. <laughs> Wow. All right, Victoria, let me help you navigate these troubling waters. Adrian says it is Our Lady of Grace. Nice choice. But Rudy seems to think it's Saint John Blaze. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Victoria, what say you? Rudy. Are you sure? Go to your, go to your... No! Oh, it's over. Oh, Two I'm for so three. Sorry, Two for three. Victoria. I feel like I let you down, but uh, in fact, the correct answer is Our Lady of Grace, because Adrian's right. You do need a lot of grace if you're going <laughs> to especially ride the mean streets of uh, the great city of San Antonio, I suppose. But Victoria, you did great. You got the really incredible hard questions right, so you're in the cup, and you could win. Congratulations, and you'll, well, I guess you'll have to tune in on Friday to find out. Have a great day, Victoria. Thank you. God bless you. Have fun at Atonement. Say hi to everybody for us. And that's going to do it for the radio side of our program. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining us. We are very grateful that uh, you hang out with us. Tomorrow we'll be back with a brand new show. But if you can, hang out with us in the next 30 minutes. We'll be live on our video streams, hanging out with you, talking to you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. 
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the first week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for Helena Marcelek on her birthday and for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our Lord to earth descends now. Our full homage to in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, to Almighty God, God and, you, and to you, my, my brothers and sisters, that I, that I have greatly, greatly sinned in my, my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done, in what, in what I have failed to do, through, through my fault, through my fault, through my, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, to you my brothers and sisters, to pray, to pray for, for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Look upon your family, Lord, that through the chastening effects of bodily discipline, our minds may be radiant in your presence with the strength of our yearning for you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down, and do not return there, till they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful, giving seed to the one who sows, and bread to the one who eats, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From all their distress, God rescues the just. From all their distress, God rescues the just. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. From all their distress, God rescues the just. Look to him, that you may be radiant with joy, 
and your faces may not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard, and from all his distress he saved him. From all all their distress God rescues the just. The Lord has eyes for the just and ears for their cry. The Lord confronts the evildoers to destroy remembrance of them from the earth. From all all their distress, God rescues the just. When the just cry out, the Lord hears them, and from all their distress, he rescues them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit, he saves. From all their distress, God rescues the just. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine defines prayer very simply as being an exercise of desire. In other words, when we pray to God, when we communicate to him and with him, it is really a sign of our desire that we want to live in communion with God, that we want to live in relationship with God. From that perspective, we can see nothing is more important than prayer because if we consider that our life originated from God who created us and that our eternal destiny is to live in communion with the Most Holy Trinity, then it seems like a pretty good idea that during our earthly sojourn that we would manifest that truly the deepest desire of our heart is to live in communion with God already here. And prayer is a particular manifestation or expression of that desire because it expresses our want to be in relationship with God and our communication uh, with him. St. Augustine goes on to say that you know we human beings we sometimes are a little bit limited in what we desire in our earthly life and that it can be easy for us to get fixated on the things of this created world. The way he puts it is, he says, you know, sometimes our hearts are kind of, they stay kind of small and contracted and they're kind of filled with vinegar and we get satisfied with the things that we see around us. 
He says, really, through prayer is this process of purification. What we need is to have our hearts expanded, the vinegar poured out in order to be filled with the sweetness of God's honey. I think it's a, a beautiful expression, too, of really of what the goal of prayer is, is really putting the first thing first to say, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with God, and that gets expressed by the time that I devote to prayer. Today's gospel highlights for us other important or crucial dimensions of prayer when Jesus tells them not to babble as the pagans do. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI once said, you know, that in our prayer life there are two dimensions that we need to balance together. One is a subjective dimension whereby prayer is deeply personal and intimate, where we're able to express to the Lord the deepest longings of our heart and of our situation in life and our circumstances in life. And on the other hand, the objective element of prayer must always be there, and that is that our prayer life would be guided by the great prayers of the church. Of course, first among that would be the Our Father that we hear in today's gospel that Jesus has, has taught to us. But that in those two ways, our prayer remains deeply personal and intimate, but at the same time, it remains objective and rooted in the ecclesial reality of the church and of our relationship with the people of God in the church. And those two things have to go together. Both when we think of babbling and prayer, we can think of kind of mindless repetition or kind of going through the motions. And maybe in a particular way for those of us who are fortunate enough to go to Mass every day or to try and pray the rosary every day, um, it can be easy, as great as it is to do those things, sometimes it can also be easy to fall into a routine where we kind of go through the motions. And Jesus is reminding us to say, make sure that we are intentional in our prayer lives, that we are formulating intentions for why we are here. And even at this very Mass, to be able to say, I am formulating the intention to say, I too am offering everything of my life, my joys, my sorrows, all of the circumstances of my life, and I offer it with that one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, and I place it there on the altar with the Lord Jesus. This element of intentionality needs to accompany our prayer life in a very profound way. Lastly, the petitions of the Our Father, of course, Jesus really tells us what are the most important things to pray for. It's always striking that in the seven petitions that compose the Our Father, um, all of them have to do with our safe passage from this world to the next. We're praying that God's name would be hallowed, we pray to him out of our relationship that he is our father. We pray that his kingdom would come into our lives. We pray that his will would be done. We pray that we would be given our daily bread, which of course can be an allusion to our daily food. But more than anything, it is a beautiful reference to the Eucharist, our spiritual food that allows us to make safe passage to the next world. And then, of course, our request to be preserved from temptation to be delivered from evil, and of course the all-important and crucial being able to forgive other people as we would ask the Lord to forgive us. In other words, the Our Father is entirely geared around our pilgrimage of faith toward heaven and reminds us as nice as it is to have victories in this world, as nice as it is when things go our way in this life, as nice as it is to have good health and to be preserved in good health physically, uh, nothing is more important than our safe passage to eternity, to heaven,
and the Our Father certainly reflects that in every way. Of course, at the end of the Our Father, Jesus one more time gives the command, if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. It really reminds us of the imperative of the Christian life that in order to receive God's forgiveness, we have to be able to bestow it upon other people. And to that end, we know it's not always easy to do, in particular if an individual feels a deep hurt or a deep grievance. But always remember that forgiveness is much more than just a feeling. You can feel hurt, you can feel betrayed, but you can still make an act of the will to say, I forgive this person who I feel has betrayed me or who has hurt me. And that, I think, is a very important dimension of forgiveness. And inevitably, when we do make that act of the will to be able to forgive, almost inevitably, the feelings eventually will come around as well. And they are also able to subside and we get released kind of from the prison of pain and the prison of hurt that sometimes people experience. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward on this day, still here in the first week of Lent, we are reminded of the importance of our prayer life. Let us ask God for the grace that we would always be intentional in our prayer life, that our prayer life would always be deeply personal and intimate, that it would be guided by the great prayers of the church, in particular the Our Father and the prayers of the Mass and the Rosary, and that we would always be willing and generous in our heart to be able to forgive others knowing that we too are desperately reliant upon the forgiveness of God in our own life. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer for sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, for all those who are joining us online and through radio, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. I'd like to pray for my mother on the occasion of her birthday. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for peace in the Ukraine and for the conversion of heart for all those who foster war. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Master came to bring good news, the news of love and freedom, to heal the sick and seek the poor, to build the peaceful kingdom. Father, forgive us through Jesus here, 
Yes, we forgive one another. Through Jesus Christ, the loss fulfilled, the man who lived for others. The law of Christ is love alone, to serve now all our brothers. Father, forgive us, through Jesus hear us, as we forgive one another. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Receive, O Creator, Almighty God, what we bring from your bountiful goodness, and be pleased to transform this temporal sustenance you have given us, that it may bring us eternal life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time, for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world, as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Sunt Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood 
the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face, have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, quias in Sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo ed in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debite nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis,
tollis peccat amodim, miserere nobis, anius Dei. Qui tollis peccat amodim, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Draw near, O Lord our God, graciously hear us, guilty of sinning before you. O King exalted, Savior of all nations, see how our grieving lifts our eyes to heaven. Hear us, Redeemer, as we beg forgiveness. Draw near, O Lord our God, graciously hear us, guilty of sitting before you. Let us pray. Grant us through these mysteries, Lord, that by moderating earthly desires, we may learn to love the things of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May your faithful be strengthened, O God, by your blessing. In grief may you be their consolation, in tribulation their power to endure, and in peril their protection through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I survey the wondrous cross On which the Prince of Glory died My richest gain I count but loss And poor contempt on all my pride forbid it lord that i should boast save in the death of christ my god the vain delights that charm me most I
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Production.